Resiliency Within, with host Elaine miller Karras is brought to you by Trauma Resource Institute, Incorporated. Visit TraumaResourceInstitute.com. Welcome to Resiliency Within, featuring your host, Elaine miller Karras. In unprecedented times, our beliefs and well-being are put to the test. When we take the things we've learned in life and look at challenges in a whole new way, we learn to develop resiliency, which can then be used to promote healing and personal strength. Now, here is Elaine miller Karras. Welcome to Resiliency Within, and I want to let our uh, listeners know that we're also live streaming on Facebook on Resiliency Within's uh, Facebook page. So today's show is entitled Love Wins, the story of a lesbian mother and and her fierce advocate daughter. Um, There are many LGBTQ plus parents who wonder about the impact of their lives on their families and the LGBTQ plus young adults who wonder about their futures. The culture wars with vitriolic rhetoric and attacks on LGBTQ plus individuals are taking their toll. But today we're going to talk about a story of resiliency. What happens when maybe there are difficult times, but there's also a light that shines from within the individuals that have experienced something difficult and and what happens when their their lives are filled with love. So I would like to welcome my guest, Dr. Sue Borrego and her daughter, Kelsey Bunker Robertson. Welcome both of you. Thank you. Thanks so much. So Sorry. I want to say, go ahead, are you excited? But I, I am too. So I want to say a little bit about what we're going to be talking about, and then we're going to get to some some questions that we've prepared. So this is a story about a mother and a daughter and about a family. Sue and Kelsey had a very different experience following Sue's coming out when Kelsey was nine. Sue was occupied by the fear of losing her children and and job and moving through the generational shame of her sexuality. Kelsey, who I also knew when she was a little girl, became a fierce advocate, proud of her parents and much less touched by the shame her mom felt. Sue gave birth to two children, Kelsey and Bryce, in the 1980s, and when they were toddlers, Um, it became clear to Sue that she was a lesbian. Nothing about her life and work had space for her truth. She was married to a man and working successfully at a Christian university. She chose to live a closeted life until she could no longer live so incongruously. She needed to find a different job and initiate divorce proceedings. Initially, she was not public about her sexual orientation. Ironically, Kelsey's dad came out several months later, and together they lived as a non-traditional family in a very traditional town. Now, we're going to be talking more about their journey in just a little bit, but I want to tell you a little bit about these two amazing women. And I'm going to first say, when I first met Sue, you were getting your PhD, um, and I guess that was 30 years ago. I can't believe that, but a lot of time has passed, maybe 31 years ago. So Dr. Susan E. Borrego is a skilled educator, administrator, and advocate with over 30 years of experience as a leader in higher education. She's a national voice for equity, leadership, and student success. She began, she begins serving as the interim president of, well, you're going to be doing this August 2nd, right? You're going to be the interim president of California State University Stanislaus. And she also has spent her career as a university administrator, including, which is very impressive, Sue, the chancellor um, and professor at the University of Michigan Flint 
As the chancellor of the University of Michigan, Flint, she provided leadership to the Flint water crisis. Actually, I met her out there one day um, when I was out there doing a project with the community resiliency model. And she has implemented inclusive policies and programs that support underrepresented communities. And she and her partner, Dr. Mary Boyce, and I know that Mary's probably listening to us right now or maybe looking at us on Facebook Live, are the parents of, of, of these two wonderful adult children we've already mentioned and I'm jealous, nine grandchildren. So <laughs> Kelsey Bunker Robertson is the proud mom of six kids. Kelsey, I'm always so impressed when I say that out loud and I see you all posting on Facebook all the time and they're beautiful. She graduated from the University of Arkansas where she met her husband. And for the last 10 years, she's been a social media influencer, documenting her life for the world. And it's really fun to watch. And, and um, we have links to all these things that are, are provided on our um our Voice America page that you can go and take a look at some of the wonderful things that she posts. And she um, she's she really dove headfirst in the world of content creation, leveraging her creative writing skills to craft captive, captivating narratives. Um, Kelsey quickly gained recognition as a talented writer and professional mom. And, and she says, too, as a child of gay parents, I think her life has been shaped most beautifully by the LGBTQ plus community. As a mother, as a visionary leader, as an advocate, she remains dedicated to uplifting her community and leaving a lasting positive impact. And Kelsey, I, you know, we really didn't talk about this, but I had the honor of taking you to Washington, D.C. I know. With, with uh, my daughter, Jessica. And um, I saw from the, the very beginnings of your life, your power for uh, advocacy. I don't know if you remember that there, there was a reporter on the street that stopped us and mm -hmm. that they interviewed us. Remember that? I, I, don't I, know, I am, as you're saying it. You were a very young person. I think you guys were 12 at the time, but yeah. I, mean, I just remember how eloquent you were. And even at that, that time of your life, you were advocating for your mom. So... Anyway, well, I are. love that story. I forgot about it, but I completely remember <laughs> yeah, it. Now you're remembering it now as we're yeah. talking about it. And all yeah. of a sudden it hit me as we were talking. How funny, yeah. So as we're getting started today, so what are on your minds? Let me let me start with your mom first. Sue, so, so what's on your mind as we're getting started? I think uh, I'm really grateful for the opportunity <laughs> to be a part of spaces like this, because at this moment in time, the anti-gay, anti-trans, anti-race, the noise out there, even though it's a small group, is really, I think, traumatizing to so many people who are bombarded with it on the news and where you know in the in the media wherever so today i feel really fortunate to be able to be with you and talk about uh love wins because i believe it with my whole being yeah absolutely i mean i i've i've the last couple months have been um working behind the scenes with what's going on in school boards and um it's been really traumatic to go to school board meetings right now, even as a child that literally went through the public school system with LGBTQ plus parents. I never experienced the rage and the ugliest I'm seeing in school board meetings. So I love that I get to like shine a bright light and really show what 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 it, it really looks like. You know, that is, must be so important, um, um, Kelsey, and as you're saying that, because, I mean, in some ways, I'm going to say you and your mom were trailblazers. And so you actually have the lived experience that when people say things that are just blatantly wrong and not right, that you really have a counterpoint, don't you? 
Yeah, yeah. And I think that's why I have to go out there because I'm like, no, 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 that's not at all what parents of, from, the, from the LGBT community are like at all. Um, so yes, I absolutely take it personally because I'm like, you're just not talking about my parents. You're talking about a whole group of kids, parents, and you're, you're completely wrong about what you're saying. So, so let's maybe can we do, do a deeper dive into, into the journeys that you both have been on together. Um, I, I realize too, we don't have your brother here with you that has been part of this journey too. Um, and um, the other important partners of your mom and, and your dad. But so, you know, let's start talking about that. So can you tell us a little bit about what you think is important for others to know about your journey? And whichever one of you wants to go first, go ahead and just jump in. You know, I think for me, yeah, <laughs> mom goes first. Yeah, very good. It's very good. Yeah, well, don't don't be kidded by that. Definitely. <laughs> no, remember, I've got another very powerful daughter that's like that. I was gonna say, well, you yes. know her better than that. Yes. Um, you know, um, I think for me, the um, you know, I remember hearing uh, it gets better and thinking, you know. I thought it was trite. I thought hate was not a family value. I mean, that was, you know, what when Kelsey was growing up, that was the thing we were listening to. And I just think it's so critical right now to be able to have the conversations about what's real in the face of all of the, um, you know, being used as uh, really using our lives to create uh, an opportunity for people to move forward a message of hate. I mean, I, I'm, I'm, I'm stunned uh, by where we are. I didn't think we would be, you know, spending a decade being afraid I was going to have my kids taken from me was some of the hardest time in my life. Um, I'm not at risk now like that, but so many people around me are. And I just, you know, I, I, it's painful. Well, uh, I, th I want to ask you a little follow-up question with what you just said, is that, you know, you, you said for 10 years you were afraid that your kids could be taken away from you, and you know that there are parents right now that are experiencing the same thing. Can, why is that, Sue? Why, why, why did you feel that fear? I think it would be important for people to understand that, that, that fear that many parents have. Yes. You know, when, when my kids were young, um, that would have been the the... 80s into the 90s, um, I knew people who'd lost their children simply because they were gay and in a custody battle lost. Um, I, I couldn't imagine uh, what that was like. And uh, so it was one of the reasons I remained closeted. And even though today some of the laws are different, we're still running into judges here and there, you know, that we even have to worry that somehow I'm less of a parent because I'm a lesbian. It's just stunning. And when you look at the lives of my children and their children, I just want people to look in the window, look at them and how much love and how good they are at creating environments for their own children. So it still haunts me a little. I remember what that felt like. Yeah. Um, and I'm grateful to not be at risk and sorry for people who are still closeted simply because they're afraid. Well, and I'm just, I mean, Kelsey, as you hear your mom talk about this, what's going through your mind right now? And how would you like to respond in terms of your journey, being with her and being raised by her and your dad? 
Yeah, I mean, I think what I'm able to do is be that window. You know, she wanted people to come and look in and I'm like, yes, look, look at how I turned out or, you know, look at who my parents are. Like my parents weren't gay parents. My parents were parents and they were fantastic. And so I think even more as I hear and I and we were we absolutely were trailblazers like there was no one else that looked like our family. Uh, so it it's just it's so special to like be able to be like, but look at this life and look at how, you know, the non-traditional lives turn out. It, it They're amazing. You know, there's no one way. So I love being able to be like the actual physical window that's out there and um, using my platform now in ways that I can to share and, that. And being able to show this, this other way, especially when there's so much vitriol that we really yeah. need to highlight this is, which is yeah. one of the reasons why I've had this, this whole month, this week, highlighting the resiliency in the LGBTQ plus communities. And, but I think that, you know, families need to be spoken about because there's so much negativity that that's not certainly my experience as as knowing you for all these years that I've known you and just seeing how you've grown through your childhood, Kelsey, <laughs> being the strong advocate that I've always seen you be. I really, always thought you're going to be an attorney. Actually, I'm surprised. Hey, maybe, maybe, maybe that's in your future. So uh, <laughs> I'm looking at grad school. Yes. <laughs> oh, you're looking at grad school because, of course, you've got those six kids, which I know is you know six jobs right there. Yeah, but right, in, right, in right. the event. But so maybe we can segue into, you know, can you describe some of the challenges you were able to to reframe as the aspect of, you know, what we're calling resilience, how you, you know, this love that you had in your family and the experiences from the outside world and how and how you reframed it. You know, honestly, for the very for the for me, one of the very first reframings was the move from fear to truth. And I can remember sitting at my desk at three o'clock one morning thinking, if I wanted my kids to know one thing, just one thing, what would it be? And it would be that I loved them and there would never be anything that would separate, that would, would cause them, should cause them to question that love. I loved them, period. They could always come home because, you know, I was, I was uh, thrown out of my home at 16 and I just, I didn't know that not everybody was. So, you know, my thing was I wanted them to know they could come home. And I remember sitting there thinking, if I'm not honest about myself and truthful and congruent, how am I going to communicate to them that I that that I love them and that nothing gets in the way of that? And I think people know that. I think children know those things. Kelsey, do you want to talk about that piece about how, what about your body and what you Yeah, know? I mean from from you know when my my mom and dad were married i knew there was something different about my family i felt it in my body i saw it with my eyes um but i didn't have words there weren't families there i mean again what my family ended up doing also is still still to this day is a little shocking um but my body always told me you know there's just <laughs> there's just something different here and what is that um and so you know, I started asking friends just kind of questions at a third grade, like, hey, do your parents sleep, you know, in separate beds or just like, do your parents act like best friends? Like I knew my parents adored each other and loved each other and were best friends, but there was something there that I felt that was different. Um, and so later my mom, I'll let her tell this story about her trusting herself, but, but in her moment of trusting herself, she taught me to trust myself. So I learned from a very young age to trust my body, to trust myself. And that was absolutely, you know, 
why I am how I am now. I and I'm so thankful for for that for now having words for it as a parent now it is so important for me to have those conversations with my kids like what is your body telling you why are you feeling like this let's figure that out um and so that has been one of the greatest gifts my mom gave me while living her truth so really so that so your mom embracing her truth Mm -hmm. verified for you what you were sensing inside Mm -hmm. But mm-hmm. you had no words for it, which I think is right. so important. As you know, I'm a you know sensory yeah. based therapist and mm-hmm. brought this model around the world that's all about paying attention to sensations, and the sensations really in our gut, right? We know yeah. things without knowing, and yeah. yet we are all often told not to pay attention to them. Mm-hmm. And mm-hmm. so, and and also, I want to say to you, Sue, because I think maybe just to touch upon that a little bit, because you know when you say you know kicked out of your house when you're 16 you know, your, your mother did not have the ability to parent a child. Right. You were not kicked out because you were doing anything you right. know, untoward. It was because right. she couldn't parent you and you were without that supportive environment that, and this is what I love about what you did. And, and, and you know, and I'm going to say your entire family did all, all four of you, right? Is that you created a, re- a different reality that the trauma stopped with your generation. And when I hear Kelsey talk, I'm hearing resilience. I'm hearing love. I'm not hearing trauma. Yes, there was a challenge and there was something that she didn't know, but your truth helped her understand what was going on inside of her. So I don't know if you want to say more about that, because I think that's an important part of the story as well. It's a little hard to say more in this moment. (laughs) And Sue, I'm just going to say to notice the tears, because the truth is that you created a loving family that is the most amazing, lovely family to this day. And I'll take a big breath there. Um, You're right about my mother. My family fell apart is a better way to say it. And I never went home again. And, um, you know, even when you talk about sensory, I didn't pay the kind of attention. I mean, watching Kelsey grow up, I can remember her seeing a therapist and coming home and I don't even know how old she was. She was in high school. She made me lay on the floor because she wanted to teach me to breathe. She said, I'm (laughs) suffocating my, you're suffocating yourself. You're only breathing in the top third of your lungs and I'm going to teach you to breathe. Look at you. You remember that? No, (laughs) but that's so something I do. (laughs) And so I've had this benefit of watching this kid and it's like, This is what happens when they're raised without guilt or shame or physical violence, right? I I have this bright light that I think helped me heal at every stage of my life. I got to see a child who wasn't afraid of an adult. I got to see a child who grew up doing the things that she wanted and just being the light she was. And so for me, you know, we talk about one generation all the time and what our bodies know. And my brother told me when I was an adult, we were in like second and third grade. And I remembered where we were when I said to him, I am never going to treat people like we're being treated. Hmm. I'm not going to yell at them and I'm not going to hit them. And I think when you talk about leaning in with compassion, whatever the grace of the universe is that allowed me to not get hard, and I think that's honestly a thousand act of, acts of kindness. You know, it was people in a moment doing something beautiful or simple that to me was like they saw me, right? So for me, I just feel like I get up every morning, I see the sun come up, 
and I know that I'm living differently than what I learned and I've not been perfect at it, but I look at the my children and their children and I think it's just a huge gift of grace. So Kelsey, I'm going to just see if there's anything you want to say to your mom or to or make a comment about what Oh, I mean, said. I just, you know, uh, I think it's hilarious when she's like, where do you get this strength and bravery from? And I'm like, girl, I was come from your DNA. Like, where do you think I get this from? So just all, all that to say, I mean, I, 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 I can only hope she can see the reflection um, of who she is in me because of her, because of her. Well, you know, I'm, I'm reminded of something that happened probably 30 years ago. And, um, you invited Kelsey, Jessica over for a play date. And I hadn't met um, Sue and Mary. And I came to the little house that, you know, was right, right by the colleges. And I come in because I always wanted to meet the parents. And I mean, I, I didn't know at that that there were two moms, but I walked in the door, but I could tell a little, there's a little bit of maybe nervousness, probably. I'm sure, <laughs> you know, when you talk about that fear, is this, who's this person and what, how is she going to, and then all of us, I kind of remember sitting down and go, oh my gosh, it's so good to meet you guys. You know, and you know, the whole conversation was not, of course, I hope that, and that I embraced you from the moment that I met you. Um, certainly seeing, you know, Kelsey around and seeing her little spunk that was always so um, infectious by watching her. But well, I, I didn't realize the nerve, like when you said the fear, that, well, that the to me is bravery. <laughs> I don't know if you remember this. And I think the first sycamore moms that i went to was at your house but the there were those moms that gathered out front of the elementary school and all our kids hung out and you all were holding this group called sycamore moms the moms got together you know visited and you invited mary and i and we sat on the couch for the half hour before we came and i looked at her and i said don't you feel like a 12 year old that's been invited to a dance and we just were so nervous. And then we get to the house. We have this great time with this group of moms. And as they're talking about who's going to host it next, we volunteer. And someone says, well, you don't have any men. You have to get out of the house. That's not fair. <laughs> and, and it was like, after that, it, it was, you know, we had people in our lives. And you're right. You know, when we, when Kelsey was in high school, 4,000 kids, and we didn't know one other um, out couple during that time. So that was another one of those moments of being invited in. And it makes a huge difference. And yeah, we were nervous. <laughs> <laughs> I can, now that I'm realizing that as we're talking. So, well, okay, you know, we could obviously can talk about a million things here, but I guess I wanted the next question I, I want to, to ask you about is that I think it's important to talk about, you know, the gift you bring to parenting, Sue, and also the gift that you bring to parenting, Kelsey, from, you know, from our lived experiences. It, it shapes the way we think about how we are going to parent that next generation. I think yeah. you go first. Okay, sure. Um, uh, mine, what I bring and what I hope I continue to bring for generation to generation is just unconditional love. You know, I love my kids with no strings attached. My kid, my parents loved me with no strings attached. I felt that. Um, and the sense of security that, that gave me to be a whole human, um, I, I hope, I can, I mean, I feel like I'm still pushing that into my kids. Um, I'm aware of it. And if nothing else, like that's all I hope they leave with is that they know I love them unconditionally. 
All right. And how about for you, Sue? I think um, the gift I bring is that I just adore them and I value the humans they are. And um, I got to accompany them on this journey in this learning exchange that I feel like sometimes I say when we were growing up, and it's an interesting slip, but I feel like so many times I was growing up along them growing up. And I think I bring that gift of just being open. I mean, Kelsey says I get along with the grandkids because I have the sense of humor of a fourth grader. And um, <laughs> I think it's that piece of just being able to be present, period. And that's probably the gift I bring. I, I think the, the more that I learn about being a parent or just being a person on the planet is our ability to be present with another person, to deeply listen to whatever's happening, whether it's a you know, my granddaughter just broke her arm, whether to listen to her um, being upset because the person who was supposed to spot her didn't spot her and she broke her arm. Yeah, she's going to get the cast off August 8th, so she'll be okay. But or whether it's listening to a friend who's having a problem or being present with what's happening in the world, right? Say, well, is this my presence right now is telling me like you're saying, I mean, and I love that you're being an advocate um, in another school district, right? To say, I want people to know, because I think that's, that's the ultimate of being present, Kelsey. I don't know if you want to say anything about that. Oh, I mean, yeah, I, I just, I, I can't not be present, I guess, you know, just to see it happening just because it's a couple miles over or what, but I, I do feel a little bit like, oh my God, you need to find out about this and not enough people are finding out about this. So it's like, where can I get to, to, you know, be well, present guess, that then I can share that information with other tell, people. Talk about how those students have reached out to you. Oh my gosh. That's, that's why we keep going. I, I, every day I'm like, I mean, leading up to a board meeting, the three days prior takes so much self-care on my part because it is so emotionally draining. It's, it's a traumatic experience. Uh, but every time these students are there, either they're standing up and speaking or they're sending us notes like, thank God you were here. We wouldn't have shown mm. up if you guys weren't here. I mean, we're literally like an, a parent army because we're protecting these kids that are just asking for protection themselves from, you know, this school board. So as long as those students are there, we'll be there. But they are the, also the ones that give me hope. I mean, every time I leave, as, as, as gross as I feel, I'm like, we're going to be fine. We're going to be fine. These kids are incredible. So what I, I want to continue this conversation, especially about what people need to know about how you both are cultivating hope right now during these times, because I imagine there's many people listening out there that are going, oh, you're talking about my story, but maybe I'm not out yet. Or maybe what can I do to my with my school district to, to be more inclusive? So we'll be back in just a couple minutes. Um, we're going to hear a, li a little message from our sponsor, the Trauma Resource Institute and from Voice America, and we will continue this really dynamic conversation with Sue Borrego and, and Kelsey Bunker-Robertson. Follow Voice America at facebook.com forward slash Voice America for juicy updates from your favorite radio shows and podcasts. The Trauma Resource Institute is a nonprofit organization cultivating trauma-informed and resiliency-focused individuals and communities worldwide. Our mission is to take people from despair to hope 
We believe in a world where every child and adult has the capacity to recover from highly stressful and traumatic experiences. Check out iChill, our free app that helps you learn the wellness skills of the community and trauma resiliency models. Go to TraumaResourceInstitute.com for more information. Elaine Miller Karras book, Building Resiliency to Trauma, The Trauma and Community Resiliency Models is available on Amazon.com. The book is about how to cultivate resiliency during and in the aftermath of traumatic experiences. The book also addresses body-based trauma interventions combined with psychoeducation about the biology of trauma and resiliency. Elaine also offers personal consultations. For more information, you can contact her at Elaine at ResiliencyWithin.com. Elaine Miller Karras co-founded the Trauma Resource Institute Incorporated. The Institute provides trainings on the models Elaine developed, the Community Resiliency Model, or CRM, and the Trauma Resiliency Model, or TRM. If you would like more information about the Trauma Resource Institute or how to participate in trainings, visit the Institute's website at traumaresourceinstitute.com. That's traumaresourceinstitute.com. Trauma Resource Institute. Build resilience. Awaken hope. Your life, your health, your network. You're listening to Voice America Health & Wellness. This is Resiliency Within with Elaine Miller Karras. To reach the show during our live broadcast, please call in to 1 866 472 5792. That's 1 866 472 5792. You may also send an email to Elaine at resiliencywithin.com. Now, back to this week's show. Welcome back. I am here with Dr. Sue Borrego and her amazing daughter, Kelsey Bunker Robertson. And I guess I'm going to call you guys the dynamic duo. <laughs> Certainly, both of you have this kind of, uh, uh, there's, a, there's a phrase in Spanish that I learned um, when I went to El Salvador when I was little. They actually had a Coca-Cola commercial. They used to say uh, Coca-Cola was la chispa de la vida, which means the spark of life. And I think you both are chispas de la vida. You are both sparks of life. So as we're Having so this conversation. I love that. Yeah. Yes. Yeah. <laughs> All right. So <laughs> I've got some more questions. So I think a question that is important is what are one to two things you want people to know about your experience that may provide hope to others? Mm-hmm. Um, you know, yeah. you've already mentioned unconditional love and 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 being present, but I imagine there's people there's suffering. So what can you say to them? Um, I mean I, off the bat, loved it. It was awesome. If you're in the LGBTQ community thinking about having kids, have kids. Like, you will create such an incredible life. Um, I mean, my life was so fun. My life was so bright. My life was so creative. I, I, I can't imagine it any other way, nor would I have wanted it any other way. So as just kind of a trivial level, it's it's awesome to have gay parents. <laughs> Okay, Sue, how about you? What would you like to say? Um, this was one to two things that I learned. I want to add, but before you say that, I okay. want you to really also, I want to invite you to really notice what happens inside of you when your daughter says <laughs> what she just said about how awesome it was to have gay parents, especially considering, you know, the fear that you had that 
Look at that. Okay, this is you? being a therapist on the radio. Yes, that's right. <laughs> I've been a therapist on the radio, but I can't, I'm not going to let that one run away oh, from us. No, and that is so kind of you because, you know, whether it's the trauma I experienced or whatever, and Kelsey knows this, it's really hard for me to take that in. And it is the most beautiful compliment that I could get. Um, you know, at the end of my life, I want people to be able to say she loved well and she was well loved. And if your kids can say that, it doesn't it doesn't get much better than that. Yeah. So exactly. I appreciate you um, calling that to my attention. All right. Good. All right. So what are some of the two things then that you want to, people to know about hope? Um, I, I think hope is hard. I think sometimes we think. um you know, we just have to hope about it or we make it this light word. And I think hope is really the result of taking the next step, of persevering, of um, moving forward when it's hard. And sometimes it doesn't feel like forward. You know, my whole life, and Mary said this to me 15 or 20 years ago, my mother probably saved my life by throwing me out of the house. Now, that's not the same thing as, oh, these bad things happen, so good things can happen. It was my mother did the best she could do, and it wasn't good enough. And me leaving that home allowed me to be on a path that saved my life. So for me, I'm not sure. Um, I sometimes get overwhelmed, but I don't think I lose hope. I lose perspective sometimes. But I do think we mistake hope for something that's going to come to us like fluffiness <clears throat> instead of seeing it at, well, in your work, it's yeah. the outcome of resilience, yeah. right? Yes. So many times people seek resilience, but resilience is the outcome of putting one foot in front of the other. I can't sit in my chair and be sad about what happened and be resilient. My resilience is to stand in the face of that, not against something else, but for who I am. And, you know, I'll say this, I, I learned this thing about myself. So, you know, when, you, when you're when you not at a home and you live in people's house, you always think they, they are keeping you out. There's some they. They're holding the door, you can't get in. They're pushing, you're pushing. And one day when that door opened and I felt flat on my face, I had to learn new skill sets because my badass muscles of pushing against the door in opposition weren't necessarily the muscles that were going to help me stand up as a chooser in the world. And that to me is the, is the piece about hope. You find a way to take the next step. And so many times that's encouraged by others around you. Well, and I also wonder, as you're even saying that, I mean, what would have happened if you wouldn't have had, when you made that decision that I can't live this this life in this incongruous way, I have to be congruent. Because that yeah. to me was, it would have been hopeless not to, right? If you would have stayed in the other, it right. wouldn't have given you this trajectory of a new life that was about also, when what you said, Kelsey, it was also affirming for you because then you knew what you were sensing was mm -hmm. truth. Mm -hmm. I don't know if you want to say something in relationship to what your mom said. Oh, yeah. No, I mean, exactly. Her her living that, let me trust myself. And and being able to trust myself at such a young age, even when I didn't have, I had no idea I was trusting myself. I had no idea my body was feeling these things. 
Um, but that is one of the greatest gifts my mom has ever been able to give me because uh, it, 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 it's who I am now. I mean, I trust myself so much now and I lead by my body so much now. Um, it, I mean, it, it's made me who I am. Elaine, yes. There's, can I, there's a yes, fun story about Kelsey and me and Kelsey. Um, Kelsey's <laughs> not, not ever been a talk back kind of girl. She's she's always listened politely and gone and done exactly what she was going to do anyway. <laughs> and I was fortunate she made good choices. But when she had her first boyfriend in high school and we'd been the hangout house, suddenly there weren't people around. He also had a driver's license, but I thought it was because her she had two moms and a gay dad, and a new boyfriend uh, for the first time in high school. So um, she was having breakfast one morning, and I sat down with her and said, oh, you know, I, I know you have a boyfriend. I, I guess it's probably hard to have, um, you know, a gay mom, da-da-da-da. And Kelsey kind of looked at me and picked up her plate and went in her bedroom and shut the door. And I thought, okay, what did I do? And I walked around to the door, and I knocked on the door, and I opened the door. I said, can you tell me what just happened. And she looked at me and said, I can't believe you think I would be embarrassed by you. And I was like, blah, 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 blah. I'm like, well, I just, I, I, I'm sorry. I just thought it was hard. I mean, I was, you know, I just thought it would be hard. And she said, I'm a teenager. My life is hard, but I have parents I can talk to and lots of my friends don't. And I'm standing there and I start crying. I'm like, I'm so sorry. Because in that moment, what I realized is Kelsey's, one of her driving things is loyalty. And I just questioned her loyalty from my place of being a bad thing yeah, yeah from your and trauma it's one of those moments that you walk away and if you pay attention to your kids they're going to teach you really great things right but it was so amazing that um and it's one of those things that a that somebody says to a person or demonstrates she's not stuck in all that old stuff that i was no and kelsey i just love that you said that to your mom <laughs> Well, it's funny, you know, even even talking about this when we were talking about, you know, my trauma as a as a kid and she would say, you know, your trauma around having a lesbian mother. And I'm like, no, no, my trauma would be around divorced parents. Like my trauma is not around having gay parents, having a lesbian parent. My trauma would be around having, you know, a split household and having to figure out switching houses like that kind of stuff. You know, that's my trauma. My trauma. And she will always go back to like, but what? And I'm like, no, no, no. There's there's no trauma from that. <laughs> that's actually my those are my superpowers. <laughs> well, I, I remember Jessica going between oh well where are you going well I'm gonna go the weekend yeah. she's with her she's with the dads yeah. now and yeah. so you know going yeah. back and every forth. Sunday night I switched yeah, yeah. that you switched <laughs> I remember that that house that was over there by the trail. Yeah. Anyway, so let's talk about some strategies. I think that might be helpful for our listeners to know what are some of the strategies you use, you know, in the tough, you know, hard moments, mm -hmm. you know, because it's clear about the love, but there's the outside world. I remember some, one thing happened, something awful happened in high school one time. And I, or I don't know if you were in middle school. I can't remember which, which it was, but I'm, that someone did some defamation yeah. of the property. Um, I remember Jessica, my school. daughter, was so angry about it. And, you know, mm -hmm. you kind of went into action. So I think mm -hmm. a number of your friends surrounded you also. Yeah. I mean, that would be exactly how I did. I, it goes to what you always say, you know, what else is true? I can always see what else is true. Particularly, this is what's getting me through how horrific these school, boarding me school board meetings are, 
is because I know that 20% of people in there, I, I don't need them. I, I am so well received. I am so well loved. I have such a community and such a family around me that I don't, you know, that's what I continue to go back to in the darkest moments. I'm like, okay, but what else is true? I have a lot of people that love me. I have a lot of people that love my family. I have a lot of people that love my parents, you know? So there's always, always, always something else that's true, even when it's very, very dark. Um, and so I, I always have to remind myself to go back there. Another thing that was super helpful was that I got to do therapy as a child because my parents were divorced. And the the tools they gave me then, I've used my whole life. So I'm like, how can we get these tools in the hands of kids for just childhood trauma in general that could get them through it? I mean, it, it again, those were such a priceless thing to have those tools as an adult now. So those are two, like therapy and what else is true are my well, go-to. You know, of course, as a, as a mental health provider, I'm always one to say, you know, think about it. You know, not everybody mm -hmm. is open to mental health providers, mm -hmm. but I okay. also think mm -hmm. is to find the right ones. And mm -hmm. I just want to say, because I know that there are a range of, of ones that may be LGBTQ friendly and others that aren't. So mm -hmm. make, make sure that if you're yeah. from the community to that, you do your homework to make sure that the referral. And, and fortunately, now we have we have LGBTQ centers. We have places where you can go to get that information. But that wasn't always the case mm -hmm. because you definitely want to make sure that if you're going to be if it's if it's divorced parents and they happen to be gay, then you want to make sure that the therapist is a is is a is a LGBTQ friendly therapist. Yeah. Yeah. So, okay. So do you have anything else more you want to say about strategy, Sue? Um, I just think coming back to the focus of what else is true. I, I agree with Kelsey completely. We can't control the things that go on around us. We can control our response to them. Um, we can control, you know, when we begin to feel uh, in particular ways. So I couldn't control the response of my family, but I could control my response to that. I sat when I, I was a college sophomore and I had to have both of my ankles replaced and I was repaired. And I'm sitting in a house of people I don't know, arguing all day in my head with my mother because she wasn't there. You know, she I was in somebody's house. I had cast on both legs. I was pity party, you know, it, was, it wasn't fair. I got ready to go to bed and I thought, I'm exhausted. I felt like I'd been wrestling all day. And in my brain, it was like, yeah, you have. And you're the only one tired. So I could control my response to that and not let my life get sucked away by things that aren't really important. And I'll tell you what, there's sometimes I see one of those grandkids smile or run down the street yelling Nana. And I just think, okay, it's a, it's off, you know? So I, I do think the strategies of finding what fills you, even in a moment, in your darkest moment, what brings you light and, and access that. And it's hard to do. It's, you just said, you know, not everybody believes in mental health services. I, I'm one of those. When Kelsey talks about therapy out loud, I'm like, oh my God, she said that out loud. Um, <laughs> you know, because I grew up in a place where you didn't. And I have learned that what I did intuitively was reach to the kindness, reach to the light, um, 
pause there for so, a minute. Okay, just pause for a second. I'm just curious though. You know, it was you had a hard childhood. What was it about your childhood that and even when you said the little conversation you had with your brother, that what what propelled you to lean into that light as as a person that grew up with a lot of trauma? Do you have any idea of that? Have you thought about it? I think about it all the time. And I I don't know. I I sometimes think I'm not a religious person, but I think of grace in the universe. Mm-hmm. Um, if if I think about what Kelsey says about my body, I responded to the goodness in the world. My uh my grandma, who wasn't able to 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 take me in when my family fell apart, but you know, she was a, a tough ass barbarod with a great big heart who would say to me, baby, it's a good world out there. And I just have always believed it was a better world than sometimes my momentary experience. And then somebody, you know, the first birthday, I wasn't home anymore. My friend's mom bought me a birthday present and it was wrapped up and beautiful. And, Mm. and it's what, 40 years later, 45 years later. And I still feel that. And I think all, I mean, parents who asked me to sit with them at sports banquets or who told me congratulations when I came off the floor. I had a juvenile detective in a room when they were beginning to emancipate me, were doing the paperwork, and they were talking, she and some other adult that I don't even remember, about what was going on in my home. And she looked at me and she said, you know, you probably don't need to sit in here and listen to this. Why don't you wait outside and I'll come get you? Years, I sent her when I graduated from high school and college and my master's degree, I remember thinking in that hallway, no one has ever heard me or acted like I was in the room. You know, when you're a kid in the system, people talk about you like you don't have ears. And most of those people talking about you, you could run circles around, but you have no power. And that she said to me, you don't need to hear this. Why don't you sit outside? So I don't know. I've often wondered you know, what's the secret sauce? What's the little ember in me that allowed me to see light? Um, But, you know, religious or not, I think it is the grace of the universe. Well, and when you talk about these adults, um, the the mom that brought you the present, the, the probation officer that said, you don't need to listen to this. They were caring for you in a way that maybe your mom didn't, but they were it really was acts of generosity towards this young person that didn't have an adult advocate that was of your DNA. Yep. Yes. But they were nonetheless advocates. And, you know, and the research does show that even when we've had adversity, that there are positive childhood experiences that can, that can buffer the adversities that we experience. And it sounds like there's, there's many, there's many gratitudes you have. So that might be part of it, Sue. I, you know, you'll have to, that's, that's really interesting. To, um, thank you for bringing up those stories of those wonderful people that were there for you when your your family wasn't. So, you know, Kelsey, I want to come back to you. When you hear your mom talk about these stories from her childhood and knowing the kind of mom she was to you, so what happens to you? What 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 kinds of things do you want to say to her when when she lets you know that these things have happened and she didn't do that with you? You she was there for you. Oh my gosh! I mean, I, I don't even know if I have words for it, honestly. Or if it'll just send her into a, a cry fest. No, I'm joking. Um, it, it, it is just like she said. I mean, again, 
I read a book two years ago. My, my best friend died really unexpectedly. And I, so I read this book about signs and like the universe. And I'm like, that's it. That's it. That's the last piece I was missing. I mean, just because, again, I'm not a religious person. Um, but there's too many unexplained things. And there's too many coincidences for me to not think that there is something in this universe that believes in us and is helping us and protecting us. And that's, that had to have been cocooned around her. You know, that's the only way she's still alive, like literally. That you're still, that she's still alive. And I, you know, I want to say something to you and I want to say it publicly, Sue. And then as when we were in Flint and we, we, we met up there that, that day and that, I can't even remember what it was, some kind of community center, but, and also the conversations we've had since, um, you, you were from Flint, Michigan. That's when you were, you lived in that area, right? Is that correct? Uh, no, I lived, I lived about 70 miles from there and then went back there to be the chancellor. Yeah. So this was, I mean, but I guess what I'm saying is that you were from this part of the world. That's and, right. And then, and you've had quite a successful career. And I, I go, I want to just call that out because I think there's many people that have suffered like you have, and there may be people listening to this that may be suffering themselves or know someone that's suffering and maybe can reach out with that extension of kindness and gratitude, like the present or um, the, those special things, you know, being present for a kid, you don't know the impact of what that may mean to that kid's life. Right. But I think for you to come back as the, and we're talking the chancellor yeah. of one of the greatest universities really in the world, the University of Michigan and Flint, in the really same 70-mile radius, that's a pretty amazing accomplishment. So how does, that, how does that feel? I mean, I know you've had a lot of accolades in your life, but you know we're talking full circle here. We're talking about the yes, yes. in your life, and we're talking about the successes, which is what else is true as well. Right. You know, Mary, my partner, she says it was an uncommon way to go home. And um, when Kelsey came to visit before I was going there, she was like, what are you doing? You know, Flint had been the murder capital of the world when I took this job. And, she, and Kelsey thought I was out of my mind. Um, and when I had my inauguration, I had junior high and high school friends. I had high school teachers. I got invited back to do the commencement speech in my high school. And, you know, I had to get a court order to go to that high school when I was 17 um, because it was against state law in Michigan, at least that's what they told me, to go to school if you weren't 18 or living at home. And here I was, and I had to practice my inaugural address because I didn't know any way I could get through that. Flint was so much. Um, Dan Kildee, one of the politicians in our area, used to always say, the thing I like about Chancellor Borrego is she gets us. And I'd say to him, Dan, I am us, right? Hardworking Midwestern people kind of in, in the face of whatever came their way. So for me, being in Flint, Michigan, it was just a match. And you got to meet the people there at the worst possible time. They're lovely, and, amazing people. Yeah, in the water crisis. Yeah. And so for me, I don't, it was surreal. It's still surreal. Um, and I think it is absolutely possible 
for people to step to what they want. I don't know that I believe anymore we can be anything we want. I just, I don't. But we can make things that we want. We can live into things that we want. And that full circle of going back was, again, I'm not, I don't have words for. I was delighted that both Mary and Kelsey and her family were there to see it. Um, Bryce and, Bryce and um, Tara had come out and it was, uh, it was full circle with your family getting to, to be a part of it. Most beautiful way. Yeah, truly. It was well, the coolest full circle moment. Well, congratulations for that. And so here we are in our last four minutes of the show. I told you it was going to go by fast. Um, so parting words, um, something you want to leave um, people with, Kelsey, I'm going to ask you first. Yeah. Uh, what would um, you like to say? I, I think um, for those that are listening to me that want to be parents, being a parent and part of the LGBTQ community is such a gift. The, the way I was raised without all these um, gender norms, you know, I literally was given so much space to become who I am, my brother the same. It was the most beautiful way to grow up. And it's now how I'm raising my kids. Um, so I am just so thankful for that community. You know, I, I, I'm, I'm so thankful. Like, I just feel so lucky that this is the community of parents that I have. Okay. So Sue, a final, you have a minute, got a minute to say something profound here. (laughs) I think the thing, Elaine, that you asked about why did I overcome this stuff? How did I, I would, I would say if you're suffering today, use your suffering to drive you to the joy and the grace that's possible for you to step into a more whole life. Because I'm sitting here to tell you, it can be done. You both are definitely both examples of hope and joy. I'm so glad to know both of you. And I think for my audience to the, the question that I often, you know, end the show with, what is it? What else is true? I think we have incredible examples of what else is true, that even though there is ugliness and hatefulness in the world, there's also love, unconditional love that we've seen here between the two of them. And also the, um, I guess, adversity was not your destiny. In fact, the, your adversity gave you some skills. I mean, I wouldn't wish your, your, right. the, you know, that would happen to you. But as a result of it, you created something that was really beautiful, and you stopped the generations of trauma. And Kelsey and Bryce are examples, and and those wonderful nine grandchildren that you have. So this is Elaine Miller Karras signing off for Resiliency Within, feeling lots of gratitude towards my guest today. Until we meet again. Thank you. Thank you so much for joining us this week for Resiliency Within. Please tune in again next Monday at 4 p.m. Eastern Time and 1 p.m. Pacific Time for another edition featuring your host, Elaine Miller-Karras on the Voice America Health and Wellness Channel. We'll talk again soon. Resiliency Within with host Elaine Miller-Karras is brought to you by Trauma Resource Institute, Incorporated.
Visit TraumaResourceInstitute.com.